Good morning and happy Tuesday, everybody. My name is Sean Tierney, and this is the Automation Morning Show, where I take a look at what's new and happening in industrial automation. And I hope your Tuesday is off to a great start. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. And I hope your day is off to a great start and everything is going well for you. With that said, let's go ahead and get started with today's show. And I'll start by thanking our sponsor, theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody looking for a PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please have them visit our sponsor's website, theautomationschool.com. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and get into the show. And uh, I'm here on the Beckoff webpage because this was a little curious. So today, this showed up. So you can see some of the, here's the pancake story. Here's the um, story about the stadium, the video about the stadium. So I saw this new, hey, 20 years of EtherCat article up here. Congratulations, Beckoff and EtherCat for 20 years of success. And so I went to click on this to see what it was about. And it seemed like a pretty good article interview. They're actually interviewing Michael Jost. Um, Senior Product Manager, uh, IO Operations, and EtherCAT um, for Beckoff, and they re interview him here about it, you know, about the IO and about the network and whatnot. But I noticed up here the date says July 3rd, so I don't know if I had already covered this in the past or not. It did seem like a great interview, so I wanted to share it with you guys, but my apologies if it was um, clickbait. In any case, let's go ahead to the next story this morning, and this is from Lynn Mott. And this, this, this is entitled, Four Ways to Accomplish Reliable Robotic Capping and Assembly. And they also have this great uh, video here uh, showing one of their products going through the motions. It, it's doing uh, camping and different camping, capping right here and different types of operations. And uh, so the four ways to accomplish reliable robotic capping and assembly include ramping up your connectivity with industry 4.0 compatible robots. So if you have old robots that maybe a DOM, they only interface with you know, digital IO, that could be one place where you could upgrade. The next one is achieve capping and assembly flexibility. The third one is realize more sustainability benefits. A lot of that has to do with lowering the power consumption. You know, newer robots, newer servos, they all draw less power, right? And uh, that saves a ton of money. And then reduce total cost of ownership because newer products are more reliable typically. So um, I'm not going to read the whole article, but I thought it was very interesting and I really enjoyed the video they embedded right here in the middle of the article. From there, we're going to go over to an article from Snyder Electric. And this one is leveraging system integrator expertise in the design phase. Now, I had the fortune to work with several awesome integrators over the last 30 plus years. And uh, I got to agree with this article. Um, when you, uh, get a, uh, integrator involved, you can see here minimizing number one is minimizing time consuming and costly risks. I've been in many of those very uncomfortable meetings where the SI had to tell the customer that what they bought wouldn't work and it's going to have to be returned and other products are going to have to be bought. And a lot of times it's because they didn't talk to me and they didn't talk to the SI and they just went out and, and and made some assumptions, not unreasonable assumptions, but made some assumptions and bought products that wouldn't play nicely together. And it's always a very uncomfortable situation to be in. I'm laughing now, but it wasn't a laughing matter when it happened all those times. So, um, you know, I think anybody who, who has worked with a good system integrator in the past understands that the system integrators are typically using these products more often than the end users. And so they know all the 
intricate ins and outs and all the little details that make, you know, that they learned the hard way through, you know, through trial and error. And now they can bring that experience to the end user. And the, the second one here, fostering a collaborative environment. Every good SI I've worked with definitely does that, right? They want to collaborate with you. It's your project. It's your process. You own it, right? So um, they want to work with you. And they want to be collaborative because they know they don't know everything. They don't know everything about your process, right? They, they know more about the tools that they're going to use to complete the, or, or you know, design the process and build the process with. Um, the other two, uh, increasing visibility and prioritizing customer advocacy, both good points here. And, um, you know, the article ends with a little pitch for their own partner program. And I think every major vendor has a partner program. So, and that's good. That's good. It gives you typically get some of the tools and the training they need to be uh, experts on that product line. So with that, we'll go over to the next article. Now, this is from the ISA's website. And this one is complete accurate asset information is the foundation for secure industrial operations. And um, this is a very interesting article. As you read through it, though, you come to realize that this is actually written by ARC, and it goes into a lot of detail on their own um, industrial OT cybersecurity maturity model, which is very interesting. Nothing wrong with that. And they really kind of walk through and describe this. And I, you could, I guess you could hire them to consult with you if you wanted to get in deeper than what this article covers. They also jump into... Um, again, it's a very beefy article for anybody out there following cybersecurity and interested in that. But uh, they also go into Industrial Defender, uh, Defender's OT security management platform. Okay, so uh, they talk about that as well. So very in-depth article, fairly easy to read, uh, very uh, up, you know, up to date and current with what's going on today. And I wanted to share it with you. If you want to learn more about ARC, we did have them on the show back in podcast number ninety-three. So um, you can learn all about them. I know I know them from the years, my years as a Rockwell authorized distributor specialist, where they would uh, do reports for Rockwell, commissioned by Rockwell, talking about market share and whatnot. And um, I thought it was very interesting to see everything they do. And I really appreciated Larry coming on the show to do that with us. And uh, if you're interested, check it out. From there, we go over the Profi News. Now, yesterday we talked about Profi News and new Pro, uh, IO-Link products. Today we're talking about Profinet, and I'm, I'm just looking at the audio. It keeps overdriving, which is driving me a little nuts. I'm going to lower it a little bit. Hopefully uh, I'm not too soft for you guys now. But in any case, um, if we look at the, the new products here, the three I want to cover. First of all, Profinet over Ethernet APL. Now we've talked about this on the show. Profinet is a protocol. Ethernet APL is your physical media, right? And so... Um, if we look at this, one of the first people to come out with Profinet over Ethernet APL products is Endress Hauser. So they have several products that have the Ethernet APL connections on them that will speak Profinet. And uh, that includes the new MicroPilot, we talked about that recently, the FMR6XB, the, their uh, Cerebar and Delta Bar, PMX5XB and PMX7XB as well as their iTemp, the TMT86. So uh, yeah, congratulations, Endress Hauser. We've been following this all year, right? And I'm not surprised to see Endress Hauser listed here because of how much they've been involved in Ethernet APL. 
Um, from there, the next one is RT Labs. It's a device builder, probably not something you and I are going to use. This is for those uh, product uh, people who are developing Profinet products. The next one is um, a familiar name to the show, Hillshire. And um, it talks about their Netfield app, Profinet Tap. We've covered this on the show before. That is an app that will passively extract data from the network as the traffic's going by and make it available via MQTT. Very interesting stuff there. And then lastly, is a, a, for me, it's a new vendor. It's a Mechademic or Mechademic. That sounds the same. <laughs> so this is small form factor SCARA robots with Profinet. And so I was reading about that and it just seemed really interesting. So I went over to their website and um, I found this great article, six access robot or SCARA robot, which one should you choose? And it really is a com comprehensive guide comparing the two. They, they offer both, but it really goes through and compares the two. And uh, so if you have any junior people on your staff or if you're new to robotics, this would definitely be something I would recommend you check out. I think they did an excellent job here. It's a very beefy article as well. Okay, and so from there, we'll go over to our uh, featured product for today, and that's my Siemens S7 1200-1500 course. I've been working on this every day. Um, you know, I've talked in the past how we added all kinds of quizzes and exercises and images for the optional exercises. We redid the homepage, uh, updated all the descriptions. Now I'm actually going through, so a, a couple of months ago, I went through and listened to every single you know, with, with the quality headphones, went through and listened to all the lessons while watching them. And I was looking for uh, any kind of glitches or issues. And I, I came up with about 14 changes I wanted to make or 14 lessons I wanted to update. And so I got about halfway through them right now. So I got seven more, roughly seven more lessons I need to edit or tweak, either add arrows to the lessons because what I'm point, talking about is very small. It may not be obvious or maybe taking out some uh, some glitches in the audio or, uh, you know, sometimes you have to dub things because you're just, you're not thinking, you say the wrong word. And uh, just some of the dubs I weren't happy with. And so I changed some of those around as well. And in any case, so uh, this uh, is what I'm going to be doing for the next couple of days. And uh, I'm thinking I'm going to just put like a little note, like in small text on each lesson that I update, what, what changed and when. Um, just so for anybody who said, you know, was looking back at the lessons, they can say, oh, yeah, all right. So he updated that. But in any case, um, what I really want to get this 100% uh, this complete and 100% confidence, and I want to finish those minor edits before uh, moving on to uh, the next course I'm going to be working on. So, of course, we're going to be filming uh, six PLC courses con concurrently here in the office. So I'm looking forward to that, forward to that. But i got to finish up, clean up some of these uh, other courses first that have a couple of open to-dos. So with that, that's at theautomationschool.com, and that's my S7 PLC course. And it's on sale right now for $149, lifetime access and support. So from there, we go over to downloads, and I found a new version of Centron Power Manager. This is version 6, and you can see here the change log. So if you're using that, you may want to check out version 6. Um, we also have Siemens Industrial Edge. They have an updated uh, SSL VPN client. You can see more in this picture here how that works. So you may want to grab that if you're using a uh, Siemens Industrial Edge. From there, we also have new firmware for Cymatics Cinematics. Let me say that right. Cinematics S120 firmware, version 5.2 SP3 HF15. So if you're using Cinematics S120, then you may want to check out this new firmware, see if it's for you. From there, we'll go to today's video. And I found this video, I was looking for other news, and I found this video, it's only a few days old, and it's all about 
tire depalatization. Depalatization. Okay, you can tell it's early in the morning. Um, in any case, I thought this was very, very, very interesting. This customer depalatizing these tires, if you're watching the show, you can see that, um, that you know, you know, it's probably, it's easy to, you know, unload one pallet, but if you're doing this all day, man, that's really, you're going to be jacked, right? That's really exhausting. And so by having a robot come in and do this, um, you're really saving on human, the wear and tear of the laborers there. So in any case, they have a robot here. It's picking up the tires out of a bin and they're not, the robots aren't stacked in the bin in, um, you know, in nice clean, uh, tower of, uh, you know, lined up in a tower formation. They're kind of all interlocked at, you know, diagonal angles. So very interesting application. I wanted to share that video with you today. It's only a few days old, so check that out. And from there, um, in our science and technology section, I wanted to talk to you about a new product. This is a little out of the industrial automation realm, but I thought it was very interesting, especially that summer's ending and uh, we're heading into the holidays. So Leviton uh, just announced a new smart Wi-Fi outdoor plug-in switch. And so I was reading about this, it's 100% weatherproof, right? And I was reading about this and I thought it was interesting. I think we've all played with these maybe for our holiday lights or whatnot, but uh, this is not only fully, fully uh, weatherized, but it also works with all the smart devices, all, you know, Alexa, Google, it supports Matter, it has its own app. And uh, you can also even run a three quarter horsepower motor off of it. So I thought that was very interesting. They also list, you know, 1500 watt incandescent and halogen lamps, uh, five amp LED, CFL and electronic ballast and so on. Um, 15 amp general use. So I thought it was interesting. I just wanted to share it with you. Um, I know a lot of us run extension cords from inside to outside. So we can use, you know, the indoor smart plug. So it seemed cool to, uh, that there's one you can get that has, uh, that's outdoor rated for temperature and, and conditions. So with that, I wanted to go, uh, I put this slide in here because a lot of happening over at the Automation Podcast. When um, I'm done with this show this morning and it's uploaded to all locations and all the links are at automate.news, I'll be recording the bumpers for my uh, recording with Siemens when we go through their SCADA HMI software, okay, WinCC. So that should be coming out tomorrow at 3.30. And then um, later today, I'm sitting down with a software vendor to record an episode uh, we're talking about PLCs and OPC and all that. Um, also, uh, had traded emails with another company yesterday who's been on the show. We want to get back on the show to do SCADA and also have a meeting with a network company. So lots going on at the Automation Podcast. I think we have seven or eight meetings scheduled this week to talk to vendors um, and uh, we continue to outreach the vendors. And if you're a vendor watching, you want to come on the show, just reach out to me. There's links to contact me at theautomationblog.com. Now with that, let's see here, make sure I hit the right buttons. Uh, if you think I missed any news today, please feel free to use the submit news link at either theautomationblog.com or automate.news to send in your tips. And I just want to thank our sponsor again, theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody looking for PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please send them over to theautomationschool.com. They help make this show possible. And we appreciate them sponsoring the show. From there, we go over to our community, automation.locals.com. Uh, for the price, um, it's you can follow for free, but the, for the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can become a member. Right now, we're talking about how to get RS links to work through a router. And so I was sharing some tech notes on that and talking about that with uh, one of our members. And so you can ask me questions. You can either ask them publicly, post them, or ask them privately, 
or um, whatnot. We also are going to be doing live streams. I don't know if I'll be able to do a live stream today. I'm actually looking at maybe expanding the office because it's kind of cramped in here. I'm bumping into stuff all the time. So I may have to go off site to look at, um, look at some uh, uh, prefab offices and whatnot. But uh, in any case, uh, we will be doing live streams every week here, um, which will just be like behind the scenes and Q&A stuff. So that's automation.locals.com. And also, if you want to support our site, um, but you don't want to be a, join our membership program, you can actually uh, get offline content uh, collections over at theautomationblog.com forward slash tab, or pick up one of our coffee cups or t-shirts over at theautomationblog.com forward slash shop. And from there, I just want to remind you that every single link, I think we're up to episode 88, 89, 90, um, Every single link I've ever covered in all 89 plus shows, you will find at automate.news. No www, no .com, just automate.news. They're all there. You can sort them. Right now, you can sort them by type. Um, we will be adding sorting by vendor in the future, as soon as I find some time to do it. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, you'll see all of them there. And um, these links go directly to what I talked about, and they're in the order I covered them each day. And with that, that's the end of the show. I want to thank you all for taking time out of your busy day, whether you're watching the live show with me this morning or you're watching later in the day or tonight or tomorrow. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate you spending some time with me this morning or today to look at what's new and happening in industrial automation. And I want to wish you all a very happy, safe, and healthy day. And until next time, my friends, peace.